Hello and welcome to The Crumb, a podcast from Bake From Scratch magazine. We're here to talk baking in all forms, the people, the culture, and the baked goods that make us run to preheat our oven. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Crumb. I'm Brian Hart Hoffman, the editor-in-chief of Bake From Scratch magazine. And I'm Kyle Grace Mills, the associate editor at Bake From Scratch magazine. No, you're not. Let me stop you right there. Kyle Grace, what is your new position? I am the managing editor now. That is right. We are so excited that Kyle Grace is now our managing editor. She's been a part of the team for what, four years now? Three and a half. Three and a, We're almost at four. Yeah. And it has been so fun to work alongside you. We've started this podcast together, and now we start another journey with you in a new role on the team. So congratulations. Uh, that Yes. No, I definitely tripped up on that. I was like, oh, no. Is this- <laughs> I'm actually glad you did it that way because it. I was thinking, how am I going to get to congratulate you after you say it? And then now, look, you, you walked right in for it. So I, I've been saying it since the start of the podcast. So it's just like, hello and welcome to The Crown. And this is my title. But we'll get you there. Yeah. Next time you'll just roll right in with and you are the managing editor. Well, we are back with another episode for our Better Baking Academy with Bob's Red Mill. And I have to say, I'm I love this program. I love the educational aspect that we're diving really deep on a single subject or a certain use of flour and working with Bob's Red Mill is such a dream. So this is a program that I I really love. And I also really, really love the subject of this module. We are tackling pat So pat is a twice-cooked dough, first on the stovetop, then again in the oven. And what's amazing about that twice cook is it's like an um, like a magic air bubble of pastry. It harnesses that power of steam rather than leavening, so like no yeast, no baking powder, to rise in the oven. While baking, the outside sets up, fat crisping into a golden exterior. Inside, the trapped air pockets combine and expand to be what will eventually have your filling or anything you want to put inside that. We're offering two ways to shoe with this module. So we got a crunchy shoe au crocolin with creamy diplomat cream and savory, cheesy white cheddar and chive gougeres. And these are amazing. Yes. <laughs> so. so we've got two sides of the team. I am the sweet side because I love my shoe au crocolin. I love the idea of diplomat cream, which is where you add heavy whipping cream that's been just whipped up into nice little stiff peaks in with pastry cream. So it's extra fluffy, extra light. It's so beautiful. Crunchy shoe top. You can't go wrong. But Brian, you're in the savory camp. I am. And this is one of those weird times. Normally, I dive right in on the sweet side. And I will say both of these are epic recipes. But I love champagne and gougere. It is like the afternoon happy hour of your dreams. It's so easy to make gougere when guests are coming over. It doesn't take a lot of time. They're wonderful to have sitting out as you serve a cocktail or just if you're gathering with people before dinner or just to hang out. I mean, it it truly is one of those things that I'm like, oh, a friend's coming. I'm going to make some gougere. And these with the white cheddar and chive take it to a whole new level. Yeah. I mean, you can do anything, but there's just something about, you know, that sharp aged white cheddar that really kind of brings it together and right now there's so many beautiful fresh chives that just kind of bring that hint of garlic little allium charm to it i just i love having i've got wild chives that i'm thinking 
Oh, there can be yes. popped in there. But you could even use a Havarti cheese and put dill. You can use a Gruyere or Comte and not add anything. You could, you know, I think at the Cook's Atelier, they use a little bit of Dijon mustard in with the with the Comte cheese. So you get this amazing flavor profile. So they're super fun to experiment with. And, and then, of course, top them with some more grated cheese as they come out of the oven. And we're talking perfection. Yeah, and we we say champagne, but it can be any. I know you also have a feel for Chablis or something like that. You know. So let's go into who we're going to have talking with us. We have for our special guest, Laura Casavon, the baker behind the blog Tutti Dolci. Tutti Dolci. Tutti Dolci. Say it with your Italian accent. We've paired up with Laura on every single one of our holiday cookie special issues over the last, what's almost four years. Um, because she absolutely makes some of the best foolproof recipes for shortbread, lenses, thumbprints, and more. But we shifted gears with her and we went to patisserie with Patashu. She did not disappoint. No. So, yeah, let's bring on Laura to get a little tutorial on making shoe dough, some piping, and the best ways you can customize this really versatile recipe. Hello, Laura, and welcome to The Crumb. Hi, Brian and Kyle Grace. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. It's so nice to chat with you. And in this new world of distancing and and time not traveling, I'm so used to seeing you when I'm in San Francisco and along the way. So at least voice over podcast is going to do for now. But I look forward to when we get to (laughs) actually hang out again and bake together because those times are long overdue. But we are so happy to have you with us on The Crumb. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much. So let's talk shoe. Um, we know that you are have great cookie prowess, but right now we're going into patisserie. And what are some of the key elements of pata shoe to you? What should it feel like, look like, and taste like? Yeah, definitely. Um, so pata shoe or uh, shoe pastry, kind of both names work. Um, it's basically a classic French pastry. And it's made with pantry staples that we're all likely to have even in quarantine. So we're talking butter, water, milk, flour, and eggs. And something that's kind of unique about it is that it's a twice-cooked dough. So it starts on the stovetop as kind of our first cook, and then it finishes up in the oven. And something that's unique is that there's no leavening, and so steam is really what helps give the pastry its signature lift, and then those hollow centers as it bakes. So then we can add all of our favorite fillings. And that's, you know, I love that you did touch on the twice cooked because that first cook on the stovetop does a few different things. But one of the main things is it takes away that flour flavor, because when you talk about such simple elements, we're like, oh, where is the flavor? But it's actually such a beautiful balance of flavor when you get that floury taste gone And then you get that like little bite of egg and then just the crunch of the shoe. I love it. So since we're since I'm gabbing away about ingredients, we'll just keep going. What role would you say that these ingredients play in the shoe dough? So eggs, flour, butter. That's pretty simple. So, you know, talking about flavor a little bit, like what do they bring? Yeah, so butter, you know, our unsalted butter is going to add a lot of flavor, but it also helps the chew crisp up in the oven, and it really defines it as a, like a pastry versus a bread. And then eggs are providing a lot of structure, moisture, and fat, and a basic chew dough is five large eggs. 
Um, and then the water and the milk are going to help provide structure, but also give it the moisture that it needs to then have that lift in the oven because there's no, you know, baking powder in the, in the dough. So that's really what gives it its nice rise. And then flour is obviously super <laughs> important to the recipe. Um, and so Bob's Red Mill Organic All-Purpose Flour is like my baking go-to. And it has a protein content of 10 to 12% which is the perfect level to help the chew dough both puff up in the oven, but also hold the shape after baking. You know, if you use a lower protein flour, your chew can really kind of deflate as they cool and nobody, nobody wants that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, the idea with the shoe is that it's a very mild flavor it's not supposed to be its own. It's a vessel. Like what you add to it exactly. is what makes it so special. So you want it to be the magic of the bubble, but you don't want it to have like too much of its own flavor because that's where things like cre- like the cream diplomat and the cheesy mix-ins and the herbs come in. Exactly, for sure. So, and that's kind of why chew is so versatile because you can you can go sweet with it. You can go savory. You can really it's it's such a versatile base to go in any direction flavor-wise with it. So you've got your ingredients in front of you. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of actually making the shoe. What are your top tips for home bakers who are making shoe dough for the first time? What are some tried and true guidelines they should follow? And just any helpful tips, like kind of taking it from on the stovetop to piping to baking? Yeah, for sure. So when we're starting, our first cook is on the stovetop, like I mentioned. So we're first bringing the butter, water, milk, um, sugar, and a little salt to a, a rolling boil in a saucepan. And once that mixture is boiling, we add the flour. And I like to stir it in with a wooden spoon. It just helps it really incorporate nice and evenly. And like Brian said, during this first cook, we're really cooking the flour and kind of getting rid of the raw flour taste. And we're just cooking that mixture until it Um, pulls away from the pan and kind of forms a ball. So about one to two minutes. And then from there, we're transferring the dough to a stand mixer and just beating it on low speed to give it a chance to cool slightly. So maybe a minute or two. And then we add in our eggs one at a time, beating until combined. And so with so many eggs to the batter, you know, five eggs, it's going to give you this really nice, shiny, golden batter And if you drag a spatula through it, the batter should start to just slowly move back together when it's ready. Um, One other trick is that the batter should pass the string test. So if you touch the batter with your finger, it should form a string as you pull your finger away and then you're ready to pipe. Those are awesome tips. And, you know, especially that one 30 second to one minute window when you are taking the hot shoe from the stovetop to the stand mixer to let a little bit of that heat off so that you don't cook your eggs the minute it hits the hot dough. And I think that's, I see a lot of questions online. People want to know, should I, shouldn't I? I would always say that on the side of caution, you should cool your dough. If you've got the master touch and you haven't got it too hot on the stovetop and everything aligns, you might not have to do it, but it's not going to hurt anything by cooling it some before adding your eggs so that's one of those shoe moments where i always say like okay here's like an area you've got to pay attention and then again the string test and the spoon test to make sure that your dough is completely 
ready for the next phase, and that's piping. I see you doing the string test because Brian loves that (laughs) raw dough, and I know you're going to play with it and then probably (laughs) pop it in his mouth. That's right. Yeah, I might taste it. And I think he likes eating raw dough, too. Yeah, I do. I do. I'll confess. So funny. So what about when we get to the piping part, Laura? Like that's, you know, I think people say, I can do all these other things you just talked about, but now you're making me use a piping bag? I know, right? And, you know, I'm not a cake maker by trade and piping is not my, you know, strongest gift. So one tip I have is I really like using the industrial strength piping bags. They're like 16 or 18 inches. They're really sturdy. They're easy to use, especially if you're not a piping piping expert, which I am not. And I love that you can add all of the batter at once instead of trying to like split it between smaller piping bags. It just keeps, you know, your kitchen counters a lot cleaner and neater, <laughs> so much easier to work with. Yeah. And, and then as far as piping, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I know that there are some people who I won't name names like myself, but uh, <laughs> they put it into a Ziploc bag no. and they cut off the end. <laughs> okay, yeah. We, You know who you are. You're me. And it's OK. But for this one, just for the way that the, the batter distributes, like you're going to get more tired using that. So just go ahead, you know, take a use breath. A get a, use a piping bag. <laughs> Exactly. This is the time for the piping bag. And, you know, you're not going to regret busting it out. So go for it. And then in terms of piping, you know, you want to give the chew some room to expand in the oven. So definitely, you know, try to pipe it at least one and a half, if not two inches apart on parchment lined baking sheets is what I recommend. And the motion of piping is really you want to hold your bag perpendicular above the parchment paper and just keep it as stationary as possible. So you're applying even pressure on the piping bag and just helping your batter reach like the edges of drawn circles. So if you first start by um, drawing kind of a circle grid on your parchment paper, then you have little guidelines for piping and it just makes the process so much easier. And this is another, you know, I think people when they're holding a piping bag, they think they need to be moving their hands around too. So you're piping in a circle or you're piping, you know, like you just feel the need to move that piping bag. This is one of those times and it's probably a really great beginner piping bag step is to just hold the bag steady, apply even pressure and fill out that circle and then stop. And there is a super fancy way to, you know, rip that tip to the side and give it that clean cut where you don't have any peak or any dome on your shoe. But most of us aren't at that level (laughs) the day we start doing this. So there's another tip for for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like anything in baking, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. So the more you pipe, you know, the more comfortable you'll get with it. And if you do have any little peaks of batter, you can just moisten the tip of your finger with water and just press down any, you know, little points just so that they're nice and smooth before they go into the oven. So it's no big deal if you have any issues with the piping. Yeah. And that's like, that's what I love about this is, you know, with shoe, you can actually pipe really any shape you want. I mean, some are really, I've seen very rustic gougere where some people spoon the dough onto a pan and that's fine too. I mean, there's such a beautiful thing about rustic style baking. In this case, we're using piping bags for our recipes and, you know, the versatility of pad is almost endless. I mean, from 
Perry Brest to Eclairs to Gougere and the Shuo Claquelin that we're using in our module. I mean, you can go sweet and savory and anything in between. And I want you to tell our listeners what you did with the shoe recipe that we're all working on, you know, now with the Better Baking Academy, because you took it to such an interesting and obsessive level that I'm really hooked on on your on your cream puff. So go ahead and tell us about what you did. Absolutely. So I was kind of thinking through some really fun summer flavors and key lime pie is such a summer classic. So I decided to kind of transform those flavors and um, transfer them to my cream puffs. So I filled them with a bright and tangy um, key lime curd, a creamy mascarpone whipped cream, which you can literally just eat out of the bowl. It's that good. <laughs> amen. <laughs> like, amen. Exactly. And then I topped them off with like a graham cinnamon crackling. So that is kind of that little cookie topping that gives them that crunch and it crackles as it bakes. And so they're really just sweet, they're tangy, they're really irresistible. I mean, talk about the best of all the worlds, taking this French pastry and an American classic like key lime pie and bringing it to this bite-sized, yummy, heavenly deliciousness that I personally cannot get enough of. I think you nailed it. I know, and I think I might have to get to the just the key lime curd and just start thinking <laughs> yes. of things to do with that. You know? Yeah, so then keep that curd and then take it in a whole other direction and like you said, eat the mascarpone sure. whipped cream out of the bowl. That's that's enough right there. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Just have a spoon ready. You're going to need it. <laughs> So, you know, moving on, I mean, we've covered a great amount of shoe and our enjoyment of it, which is endless. But we want to talk about you <laughs> and your blog, Tutti Dolce, which has been around, you know, quite a long time. And you have mentioned that you're, you know, looking to provide modern bakers with recipes that can they can count on. What do you think a modern baker kind of is and what are they looking for in a recipe? Yeah, for sure. Um, so just to start with the name, Tutti Dolci is Italian for all sweets. So when I, I love Italy and I was studying Italian at the time of starting my blog. So that's where the name came from. And, you know, like so many bakers, I started baking as a creative out, um, outlet post-college. I was reading, you know, some of the first few food blogs at that time, like Smitten Kitchen, for example. And I was really enjoying baking and just the ability to try different techniques and learn new skills in the kitchen. I've always been more drawn to baking than cooking. Let's face it, baking can be a lot more fun. We agree, um, and you already know and, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so with my background as a self-taught baker, I feel like I can really identify with home bakers just in terms of like the space, the equipment, and the ingredients that you're likely to have at home. And I'm really detailed, and I kind of like to think through recipes from the lens of like what techniques make the most sense here or you know, if this recipe looks like it's going to have six steps and could feel intimidating, is there, you know, maybe a simpler way to break it down and accomplish the same goal? And so really, I my goal is to inspire my readers to bake from scratch, but also give them the tools to master baking at home, whether that's, you know, just like a really amazing weeknight brownie recipe, or it's a more occasioned, you know, layer cake, that type of thing. And, you know, I just have to say, a, I've made so many of your recipes over the years, 
We've worked together on a number of projects over the years, including our Holiday Cookies, you know, special issue that we publish every year. And you have been in every single one of them and you are in this year's (laughs) upcoming issue. So we love your recipes and the creativity that you bring to your content. And I will say your recipes do have such a breath of fresh air in them with procedures and steps and flavors that are easy to understand, achievable, and the results are always amazing. Like I I can really tell the hours and time you've put into each and every recipe. And I think that's something that probably our audience for the magazine, for your blog, for I just don't think the world understands how much time goes into creating one recipe. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your process and how many days are you working on a recipe and how many times are you <laughs> testing it before we get to see it? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. And I have absolutely loved working with you all at the, at the Big Feed team over the years. It's just been amazing. Um, yeah, so developing a recipe, you know, it, it really depends on, I would say, the complexity of the recipe in terms of how many times I'm testing and how long it takes, you know, from day one to appearing on the blog. Um, but, yeah, so every recipe I'm I'm kind of starting with a base. So say I want to do, um, you know, a classic sour cream coffee cake like I did earlier this year. I'm kind of researching, you know, what should be the components of a really great coffee cake. You know, there should be a streusel topping. Maybe there should be a glaze. You know, do I want to use sour cream or do I want to use Greek yogurt? You know, what do I want to do in terms of sugar? Like, is it going to be all granulated white sugar or do I want to mix that with some, you know, golden brown sugar? Um, And so from there, I just start testing and... I'm kind of obsessive about the details of a recipe, and so I'm always taking lots of notes. I'm al- I'm always looking for, you know, what does the texture look like? What should the batter look like at this point? You know, what is the texture going to be like when you're, um, you know, adding the eggs or when you're mixing the flour or when you're spooning the batter into your pan? And kind of every step of the way really keying into those visual cues because I think those just add so much to a recipe and help people become stronger and more confident bakers for sure. And I like how, you know, you do obviously nail all those finer details, but you'll have these little simple touches in your recipes that I know have blown our minds here before. <laughs> like last year, I tried your citrus um, uh, sugar cookie bars, and you had three different kinds of citrus grated into it. And I just loved that. I don't know why I'd never thought of doing orange, lime, and lemon, but it really made like a complex, like not one note. It was really just that overall citrus thing. And the other one that you did that was has always been exciting for us is that you press your shortbread into like a fluted tart pan with a removable bottom yeah. so you can just pull that sucker out and cut separately we were just we love that yeah we're like oh look laura's got us back in the tart pan we know this one's gonna be easy <laughs> <laughs> that's so yeah and you know i think a lot of it is like what could be easier you know because Again, sometimes you look at a recipe and you're like, wow, or you look at it a photo first and you think, wow, that looks amazing. And then you read the recipe and you think, oh my, but I need this special pan or I need, you know, these special tools that I may not have as a home baker. And so I think coming from that background, I can kind of anticipate what would be a roadblock for someone and, and how could this be easier? And even if I'm working on a recipe, if I'm feeling frustrated with, you know, the steps, 
then I realized, okay, I need to rework this so that it's going to be easier for my audience because, you know, if I'm feeling frustrated with it, my readers are going to be as well. Well, so tell us what's next. Uh, You know, obviously we're working with you as often as we can. You do so many partnerships (laughs) with brands. I see, you know, you're just such a reliable source for so many people and your audience obviously loves everything you're putting out there. What is coming up with for you? Well, I guess I'm allowed to say since you already mentioned it, but I just wrapped <laughs> up the holiday cookie issue. So that was fun. Christmas in June, <laughs> like tracking down peppermint candies out of season is always fun for me. And cranberries. Um, so Where are out. they? <laughs> yes. You know, there are frozen cranberries that you can even find in the summer if you want to do your own Christmas in July. So look for those in the freezer section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What else? What are you working on for the blog? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of fun summer content. So yesterday I was working on an ice cream pie. I'm doing some fun ice cream sandwiches. And then I'm also working on creating some new recipe videos. So needless to say, my freezer is currently full of dessert. (laughs) Hey, that's never a bad thing. The only thing better is a a stomach full of dessert. So it's actually been consumed and enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us on The Crumb and for being a part of the Better Baking Academy. I love that we've been able to join forces to bring content and, you know, baking step-by-steps and tutorials to the world so we can all be better bakers. And, And as always, I'm just happy you're a part of the baking world with us. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for having me. I always love chatting anything baking, and I have loved being part of the Better Baking Academy. All right. Well, we'll chat soon and plan our next baking adventure. Perfect. It's so nice to have somebody that you like just respect and admire their recipes, then take on your recipe and make something so great. I just I loved having Laura for this one. And I don't care what you say. Key lime flavor of these cream puffs is a year round thing, even though I know it's perfect for summertime. But I I really love it. So everyone listening You've got to bake those. They're amazing. Yeah. This So this was just the tip of an iceberg for our Better Baking Academy with Bob's Red Mill. You go onto our website, bakefromscratch.com, sign up for it if you haven't already. Check out all of the recipes we've had and the many tutorials. Go onto our Instagram page to watch um, an Instagram TV video of Brian Bake and Pipe Shoe <laughs> from beginning to end. I do. <laughs> In my kitchen at home, you will actually see me making those gougere and the choux au claquelin. And those videos are always a lot of fun. So a special thanks to Bob's Red Mill for partnering with us and, um, you know, bringing you, our audience, step-by-step tutorials and working with their amazing products. I, I truly love and stock Bob's Red Mill products in my pantry, and I have for years before we had the opportunity to to work with them. So truly amazing stuff. Stock your pantry, bake along with us. As always, I want to thank you for listening to The Crumb, and I wish you all happy baking and better baking with Bob's Red Mill. If you liked our podcast, please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about us. To keep up with all of our baking endeavors, follow our editor-in-chief and co-host, Brian, on Instagram at Hoffman. You can follow Bake From Scratch on Instagram at The Bake Feed. For online recipes and fresh baking content, go to our website, bakefromscratch.com, and sign up for our newsletter, Preheat. 
Finally, for in real life baking inspiration, grab our magazine on newsstands or subscribe through our website.